Amen. Man, glad you're here again today. As always, I want to encourage you to be thinking about who you can invite. In the month of August, we want to set a goal. We'd like to reach 200 people attending our men's lunch by the end of August. So a couple of things I want to tell you. First off, there has been a big study gone on, a big study that's taken place. And all these folks, these scientists have come to the conclusion that the number one way to get someone to attend something is to invite them to something. And so we want to be faithful in that. We want to be encouraging that. We want to invite folks to our men's lunch. Guys, I'm going to ask if you'll go ahead and start passing those out. First thing is this. They're going to pass out some wooden nickels. When I was a kid, my dad used to say, do not take a wooden nickel today. I never knew what it meant. Uh, but we're going to pass out these wooden nickels. They have the information of our men's lunch. They're going to give each of you a couple of those. As you go throughout the next week, be thinking about who you can ask to join you next Thursday in our men's lunch. As you go through the week again, somebody you can pick up, somebody you can grab, somebody you can meet here to invite to our men's lunch. We want to be diligent in that. Again, in the month of August, we would like to go up to 200 folks on our men's lunch. There is a little menu that you receive. There's a bunch more stacked over here. If you didn't get one, grab one. You can use this during the month of August uh, to tell folks what we're going to have for lunch. August 3rd, we're going to have barbecue brisket. August 10th, carne asada. August 17th, we're going to have fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and gravy. All the stuff that goes with that. August 24th, homemade enchiladas. And then August 31st, we're going to have ribeye steaks and all the stuff that goes with that. So grab those menus. And as you're inviting folks to come, you can tell them, hey, this is what we're going to have in our men's lunch. Also, one other thing, there are caps back there. Uh, those caps are $10 a person. If we sell all those caps, it'll pay for two of our, our weekly men's lunch. So if you want one of those caps, if you, if you want to uh, leave the $10 there, and, and as soon as we're done here, you can grab one of those. Uh, you'll have a cap to help advertise and also to help support our men's lunch. We want to be in prayer. We want to be thoughtful in, in inviting folks to join us for our Thursday men's lunch. Today we're going to uh, continue on to keep going in our study in 1 Peter uh, we're going to continue in the fourth chapter. We're in the fourth chapter of the last few weeks. We're going to continue in that. We have moved to a section here where Peter is talking about how to live and really how to live in God's purpose in the last days. And, and that's really what we're looking at here in the fourth chapter. How not just to live, but for you and for me to live in his purpose in the last days. Now, let me, let me just say this. I hope that you know, and I hope that you realize, and I hope that you truly believe that we are in the last days. I want to tell you, I hope that you realize that. I hope that your eyes see that. We are in the last days. It is not going to be long before Jesus comes back for his church. Whenever we start to talk about that, People say, well, aren't there some things that still have to happen? Aren't there some things that need to take place? Well, I want to tell you today, there is nothing left undone. There's nothing else that has to happen before the rapture of the church. And so I want you to be sure and understand, we are living in the last days. It's not going to be very long before Jesus comes back for the church. The Bible gives us some of the signs that were in those days. And there's, there's several places Jesus talks about it, Paul talks about it, but in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives us these signs. And I want you to listen and to think about this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, in the last days, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. That's what Jesus says. How do you know he's about to come back? Because you're going to, hear about wars and rumors 
of wars. Now, I was thinking about that. More than any time in our history, we have the 24-hour news channels. And if you turn on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News, if you turn on those news channels, they're talking about Afghanistan. They're talking about Iraq. And they're talking about Bosnia. And they're talking about uh, some, some other group. And there are rumors of wars and you're hearing of wars. More than any time in human history, we're hearing of wars. The Bible says, Jesus says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. He says in the last days, there's going to be the absence of peace. There's going to be a nation that turns on a nation. We see that all the time. Kingdom against kingdom means it's going to be clan turning on clan. And you think about the Muslims, the Shunis and the Shiites. Clans are turning upon clans. And that's a sign that we're living in the end days. Jesus said there will be famines, there will be earthquakes. How many times in the last two years have you heard about earthquakes in Oklahoma? In Oklahoma, there's earthquakes in Oklahoma. Jesus says, how do you know the last days are upon you? There's going to be famines and there's going to be earthquakes. Jesus says this, that Christians will be hated. How do you know you're in the last days? Christians will be hated. I will tell you, I believe in in our nation, there's never been a time in our nation's history when Christians have been so hated. And if you don't believe me, you go and you start to take a stand for the truth of what Jesus has said. You start to profess Jesus Christ. The world's fine. The, our nation's fine with religion, but Christians are hated. Jesus says that's how you know the end days are coming. He says false teachers will arise and they will mislead many. False teachers are going to arise. The Bible tells us they're going to come up in the church and they're going to lead many people astray. You look around today, false teachers False prophets are everywhere. We exalt them. They come up through the churches and they're leading many people to destruction. Jesus said lawlessness will increase. Lawlessness will increase. How do you know you're in the end days? Lawlessness will increase. What that means is, and I went and looked it up in the original language, it means there will be a disregarding and a disrespect for the law. Now I want to tell you about two kinds of law. There is the law of the nation, which means this. People won't care about the law of the nation. We have this posted law. We have this law that we abide by. People will disregard that. But more than that, there is a moral law. Do you understand? Because there's a God, there is a moral law. There is right and wrong, and people will not care about what is right and wrong. This week, I saw a video. Some teenage, maybe a little bit older guys We're sitting there and they're hanging out by this lake and a homeless man somehow gets into the lake. Maybe you saw the video this week. And the man drowns while they film him with their phones. He's not coming up. He's not coming up. Well, that guy's too ignorant. He's not coming up. He's dead. And they turn the video off. They have no concern for right or wrong. And as a a creature that God created, as a man drowns in that little lake, They sat there and they filled them with their phones. You know what Jesus says? That lawlessness will increase. Nobody will care about right and wrong. Then Jesus says this. In these last days, people's love will grow cold. How do you know you're in the last days? Because people's love will grow cold. People will become hard. People become self-centered and self-focused. People will become calloused. And people will become unloving. 
I want to tell you, you look around today, survey the, the society we're living in. I believe no more time has ever been this divisive in human history. I truly believe that. Now, there's been some pretty divisive times, but you look, just look in our, in our nation here. Republicans and Democrats, they are to, divided to the point of hatred. It's not enough to disagree. You can't go to the coffee shop. They're to the point of hatred. Liberals and conservatives, they've disagreed to the point of hatred. They hate each other. Races, you watch, watch TV and watch, watch our nation day. The races are to the point of hatred towards one another. Well, we're past that. That's from 1960. Well, go look what happens in Missouri. Go look at what people post and what people say. Races hate each other. That's our nation today. Not only that, people, families turn on each other. Well, is that really true? Watch, watch somebody get a divorce and, and watch the hatred between families. Jesus says people's love will grow cold. Well, you know what? All of that brings us to our topic today. And our topic is just that. It is the topic of love. It is a topic, let me just tell you off the top, that's kind of strange for us as men. It's kind of weird for us as men. And I don't know what that is. Maybe that's been put into us. Maybe that's what the, the culture has done to us. But we do not want to talk about love. We want to let somebody else, maybe we'll let the women or let the little kids talk about love. But it, it's become a strange thing for men to talk about love. Well, I think it's very interesting. Peter brings that topic to us today. And that's our topic. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4. And I'm going to, I'm going to start off by backing up one verse and looking at verse 7. The verse of 7 says this. The end of all things is near. That's what I was just telling you Jesus has told us. The end of all things is near. And then he, in that verse 7 he tells us in these last days we're to be of sound judgment. Which means we have to think correctly. We have to think right. And we have to have a sober spirit. Which means we ought to be serious minded. You know what? These are the last days. We're to be of serious spirit. And then it says for the purpose of prayer. We have to think right and we have to see right so that we will pray right. And that verse tells us the end of all things is near. Moving from there, we come to verse 8. And I want to read all of verse 8. It says this. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. The end of all things is near, verse 7. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Now I want to look at that verse very closely. It says this, above all. Now what Peter is saying here is this is of utmost priority. Above all. This is of utmost importance. This, this is the important thing because the end of all things is coming near. Above all, it says this, keep. That word keep means to be, but it also means to stay. To be and to stay. Above all, keep. And then it says this, fervent. Fervent. Now that word fervent means maximum effort. Maximum effort. Now what it means in the Greek, it's a pretty interesting word in the Greek. It means to push into something at a strain. You ever had to do something and you had to push into it at a strain? You got something heavy to lift and you got to do it at a strain. That's, that's the word. It says do it at a strain. Put your maximum effort in it. So it says this, in the last days, above all, this is the priority, 
keep, be, and stay fervent at a point of maximum effort, straining, and then it says this, in your love for one another. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Now it's talking about here your love for fellow Christians. It's talking about our love as Christians. And so again, it says, above all, this is our priority, keep, be, and stay fervent at a point of maximum effort in your love for one another. Now what that means is this. Peter is saying what we have to do because of the shortness of the hour, what we have to do is be fervent, be diligent, be straining to keep our love for one another. Now he goes on, and that, that's our instructions. What do we need to do? The day's growing short, that's what we need to do. Be fervent to keep our love for one another. And then he tells us why, and it says this, the rest of the verse. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. He tells us why, because love covers a multitude of sins. And let me just tell you this, that's the biblical truth. Love covers sin. Love covers sin. And the first example we have of that is between God and man. Because God loves you, because God loves us, he sends Christ to deal with and to, to forgive us, to take care of our sin problem. Think about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That's what that's about. God takes care of our sin problem through Jesus Christ because of his love. It all goes back to his love. If, if God is not a God of love, if God doesn't love us, there is not going to be a sacrifice for our sins. Not at his cost. If he doesn't love us, there's not going to be a cross. There's not going to be Calvary. There's not going to be our redemption. There is no salvation if God doesn't love us. We are forgiven. We are saved. The cross of Calvary happens because of God's love for us. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Love covers sin. Between God and man, it came at the cost, the expense, the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just go there. It also means for us as man. Love covers sin. Now, let me, let me explain this very carefully. It doesn't mean that we ignore sin. It doesn't mean that we excuse sin. Well, I love you. I'm going to excuse that. It doesn't mean that we're free to sin. You love me. You have to let me sin. We call sin what sin is, and we address sin as the Bible tells us to address it. It doesn't mean we ignore sin, but what it does, love allows us to forgive sin. Love allows us to be unified, to serve a purpose together with people who sin. Now what that means is this. Because people are people, and you just look around this room, because people have different ideas, because people have different backgrounds, because just at your table, people have different personalities. There's people who like to get up early, people who like to stay up late, there's people who like to work, people who like to lay around, people who like to watch TV, people that like to read books, people that are liberals, people that are Democrats, just at your table, because we have different personalities, and more than all of that, because people sin, and I mean sin, fail, mess up. Because of that, we have to keep fervent in our love in order to overcome all of that. 
There's a video, and, and I see it every now and then, and I keep adding to the video. Maybe you've seen this video. It's a video called People Are Awesome. You ever see that? People Are Awesome. And if you watch this, this deal, you can go on YouTube or somewhere and watch People Are Awesome. On the People Are Awesome video, now there's some guys, and they make a half-court basketball shot over their back. Uh, there's a guy, and he jumps off the house and lands on a trampoline and goes in the pool. Uh, there's a guy that stands up on the seat of his motorcycle, and he weaves in and out of stuff. And it's all these different tricks and all these people doing crazy stuff. And the whole, the whole video is about people are awesome. I want to I be honest with you. Some days I think about making a, a different video called People Are Not Awesome. Sometimes I want to make a video. In fact, I just want to call it People, and I won't say the word, People This. People lie. Some people are sorry. Some people let you down. Some people are selfish. Some people are crazy. There's just people that just make no sense. They're absolutely crazy. And you're like, that, that's just crazy. You're crazy. You know what? Love covers a multitude of sin. Let me read verse 9. It says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Hospitable now means love to strangers. So he's talking about, you know what? People are crazy. People have different personalities. We're going to have to love them in order to overcome those things. But then he says, be hospitable. Now what that means is to love a stranger. And that's the, the Greek understanding, to love a stranger. Now we're still talking about Christians, but what this is talking about, maybe the people that aren't at your table. Maybe the people that aren't in your little club. Maybe the people that are a little bit different from you on the other side of the room. You're to be hospitable. You're to show love to all of our Christian family, those outside of your little group. Peter says, you know what we have to do because the end of time is coming? Be hospitable to all people. And then here comes the hard part of the whole thing. It says this, without complaint. Peter says the end of time is coming. Things are going to get rough. Peter says, you look around, you be sure the signs are lining up. It's going to get tough. Peter says, you know what? We need to have the right mind and we need to have the right spirit. We need to be praying correctly because those things are in order. Peter says, you know what? Above all that, we're going to have to love each other. And he says, you know what? We're going to have to love each other. And it's going to be different types of people. But love's going to cover a multitude of sins. But then he says this, but you're to do it without complaint. This is talking about the attitude in which it is done. It is talking about the fact that we're going to love and we're going to fervently push. We're going to fervently strain to love. And even when it's done at a great cost and even when it's done in sacrifice and even when it's done when you don't want to, you know what? I don't want to love them. They haven't earned my love. You know what? It's going to cost me. It's going to take me somewhere I don't want to be to love them. We have to do it and we do it without complaint. That's what Peter says. The word complaint says Without murmuring. Really, it's what the translation is. Without grumbling. I want to just tell you, I get sick of grumbling. And maybe, I don't know where you work, maybe you get sick of grumbling. I don't know the people you're around, maybe you get sick of grumbling. And you're sitting there, and, and you know what? We're going to do this. And, and they're not having enough courage to come up and say, this is why I don't like it. But they go, well, this and this and that. And do you know this? And what about that? And they just grumble and they just cry and they just whine and they, they mess up anything. You know what? Peter says the way we're going to love each other, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it fervently, but we're going to do it without grumbling, murmuring. 
Listen to the two verses again. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Let me just tell you, here's the whole thing. In the last days, in these days, love is our only hope for a unified church. Do you hear what I'm saying? In these days, divisiveness, factions, the world turning on each other, complaint, murmuring, grumbling. In the last days, love is our only hope for a unified church. And a unified church is our only hope to propel the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? A unified church is our only hope to propel the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then listen to this. And it is the gospel that is the only hope of a lost world. Do you see how this makes sense now? Do you see why he says the end of all things is coming? On that day, it's going to be too late. On that day, those without Christ are going to perish. And it doesn't matter if you got your way. It doesn't matter if you were satisfied or if you were comfortable. Those outside of Christ will perish. And so he says, you know what? The only hope is that we would have a unified church. And then a unified church would be able to present the gospel. And the only hope for a lost world is that this gospel is presented. And as the hourglass runs out, Peter says, be fervent, press into your love for this purpose. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus is speaking and he says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, also love one another. Verse 35, and that's what this is talking about. And by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Love covers sin. And in our love for one another, a lost world is going to see and be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Glad you're here. Dear Father, we come, we're thankful for you, we praise you, we're thankful for your love. That because of your love, you send Christ, that we would become the righteousness, the rightness of Christ. We messed up, we threw it all away. We turned against you, we railed against you. Our sin cost us everything. But you didn't stop loving us. And your love is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. And so in great love you send Jesus and he comes and he he goes to a cross and he's whipped across his back because of my sin. And he's nailed to a cross where he struggles to breathe for my sin. And his blood runs out on a tree that that he created onto the earth that he created and and he suffers ridicule and he's mocked and he's rejected and he's spat upon and he dies there for my sin. But in great love, in your love for my sin, it's paid. It's forgiven. Three days later, he comes out of the grave alive. And it's stamped paid in full. And because of your love, my sin is covered. Lord, I pray that you would, first of all, let us receive that. Let us stand in that. I pray for some here that do not know that love because they've never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today would be that day. Lord, I thank you for your love that sent Christ to save me. 
But I also pray as we catch a glimpse, a picture of your love, as we see that time is growing short and we see the cost that's tied to it, I pray that we would love one another, that we would be on a mission together, that the gospel would go out and folks would find Jesus Christ. We love you. Help us love one another. Be glorified in both. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.